0: Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions. So give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Kelly Evans to answer your medical questions. Dr. Evans' specialty is internal medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good morning,
1: Laura. How are you? Doing great.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here with us this morning. You bet. We are kind of in transition mode. We have wrapped Kids up
1: school this week. And, yes, and, but it doesn't feel like summer out there right now, does it?
2: Right, <laughs> I know.
0: It just doesn't feel quite summery. I was yeah. just telling Bob before, We're close. yes, mm-hmm. before we got on the air, that uh, my son's been biking over to the trout pond doing awesome. some fishing, which is great, mm-hmm. and brought home his three trout last night. So that was <laughs> that was pretty fun. Uh, so they're starting to transition into summer mode, yeah. but. It'll Mm -hmm. it might take a week or so (laughs) to kind of settle in. Mm -hmm. Uh and we're also transitioning in Prairie Doc World. We've we've just wrapped up our twentieth season. Yay. Yeah.
1: It was a good it was a good year. Um and I it was really fun to watch that twentieth anniversary episode and see some of the um look backs at Dr. Holm and everything. I mean, I just you know, we've just been a part of this for a short period of the time when it comes to how long the prairie dock has been alive and mm-hmm. it's quite an accomplishment that all all the people that have put time into this effort have really made this happened yeah it was neat mm-hmm. yeah
0: such a vision and then to just um, dr. home built such a team yeah and got so many people involved and mm-hmm. um, and the right people to make things happen so, mm-hmm. yeah so that was fun to look back on mm-hmm. all of that so we've wrapped up our 20th season of programming for the television and so summertime uh, take a little break from that because of course when we do those television shows Uh, As we said, it's a team effort. We use students uh, and the Jaeger Media Center studio and they're kind of on their summer mode too, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, so
1: we kind of follow their schedule. We totally rely on that production staff, and part of that is, you're right, um, South Dakota State University students. So, yep, we, we take a break, and I think some reruns go through the summer, and but we still do the radio show. We do our um, written essays and all that stuff, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, this morning I have a couple questions for you all about right. – um, newsy stuff right okay. now okay so tell me dr evans about monkey pox and is this something we need to be thinking about in brookings you know
1: it, in my own personal life laura yes. i tried to distance myself a little bit from the clickbait daily yes. news that yep. it, that includes this stuff right. i wouldn't say i don't i'm not alarmed um so i i would monkey pox is a virus that is kind of a cousin of smallpox, which is why it might sound scary. Because of Mm -hmm. course, smallpox in, in human history was an extremely dangerous virus. It killed a lot of healthy people in its time. Um, on As a side note, one of our major vaccine success stories and a success story of modern science is the eradication of smallpox. Mm-hmm. Um, monkeypox, as far as we know, not transmissible in the way that smallpox is. It sounds like there's been a couple cases identified on the East Coast, from my understanding, um, but no cause for alarm at, okay. at this point in time as far as really worry about um, rampant spread or, or danger to us.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like something that, like you said, doesn't spread as easily. So once we know to be watching for and aware of it, once someone is diagnosed with it, we can yeah. hopefully. Isolate contain. that. Yeah.
1: And I think not as what we'd call virul- virulent as smallpox, meaning sort of dangerous to the individual either, um, Kind of makes these same marks on the skin um, That you've probably seen pictures of If you watch the news at all But yeah. I would just sort of pay attention To what the CDC is saying They're obviously watching those cases closely mm-hmm. and um, But I, I don't think there's any cause for alarm at this time Okay Yeah
0: All right. Well, let's go to our first break. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about today with Dr. Evans, please do give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. And we will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group
2: hospice is medical care designed to maximize comfort and quality of life for patients facing terminal illnesses hospice provides pain management emotional support help with family care and spiritual care to the patient and their family when a cure is not possible brookings health system employs a caring team of professionals and volunteers sensitive to the changing needs of patients and family members during this difficult time. To find out more about hospice in the Brookings, South Dakota area, call 696-9000 or talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605 692 1430. 605 692 1430. Before the break, we mentioned we are easing into our summer schedule for Prairie Doc, and uh, that includes some reruns of our shows from the previous season. And this week on television, we're going to be focusing on endocrine system Mm -hmm. and hormones, which was a fascinating show. I feel like it's all kind of a mystery to me. And I learned a lot by listening to that show and how those different hormones and Mm. glands work together to make our bodies do what they need to do, how connected everything is. You
1: know, I feel like endocrinology, uh, among the things that I do day to day, is where we see the translation of sort of basic science to human medicine really closely, which is fun about endocrinology. You know, like um, the, the things you learned about in your first year of medical school really learning those um, hormonal pathways and feedback loops um, the really basic physiology we use that every day when we're when we're doing lab testing when when it comes to the endocrinologic system. Um, so it, it is a, a fun topic to review. And we had a great guest this year, Dr. John Palmer from Rapid City, who um, was just wonderful and uh, very knowledgeable and really great on the show.
0: Yeah you, mm-hmm. really, yeah, you guys did a great job on that show. So yeah, I think anyone who wants to just learn more about how our bodies are connected and work together, all these, and just how that all happens, will enjoy that show i mm-hmm. think i learned a lot by he at the beginning of the show gave a um great overview of all the different yeah things the
1: glands in the body i think is is what you're talking yes, about so yes. yeah all of the places in our body where hormones are made and and that kind of thing from the the pituitary gland up in the brain to the Thyroid gland in the neck and the parathyroid glands in the neck, the adrenal glands which live by your kidneys, the pancreas which makes your insulin and everything. Um, it is it is very interesting and probably not something that everybody thinks about every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and such a vast range, everything from osteoporosis to yeah. diabetes to other medical conditions connected to understanding how those things work together. So, mm-hmm. so if our listeners have questions about any of those things this morning or any other medical question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Let's talk a little bit about your essay sure. on this week, which focuses on the thyroid.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thyroid disorders, when, we, when we're when we talking about the endocrine system and hormonal disorders, the most common abnormality that we see would be diabetes. The second most would be thyroid disorders. So this is a really common um, condition that we see and also a condition that probably has a lot of misconceptions out there about it. Um But so I, I, the essay that I wrote this week was primarily about hypothyroidism, which is the the most common abnormality that we see of the thyroid disorder, meaning your thyroid gland not making enough thyroid and how we, how, how patients might um, have symptoms from that, how we test for that, which is actually maybe pretty simple when it, when it comes down to it um, and why we test for
0: that and how we treat it and why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And there are, it seems like there may be quite a bit of misinformation out there about Mm. the thyroid as well.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think the, the tough thing about thyroid conditions is that the symptoms caused, especially by hypothyroidism, are very common symptoms. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, things like fatigue would be a common presenting symptom of hypothyroidism. Well, of course, Though that can be related to your thyroid, it can be related to many, many other things. And so, um, you know, it's sometimes it, it, you know, we test for thyroid when people come in with some of these common complaints, fatigue, weight gain, that kind of thing. Um, And if the thyroid's normal, you know, we kind of move on to the next thing. Um, Though, you know, it's nice to find the thyroid as a simple um, explanation for some of those symptoms. But it's just not always the case because, of course... There's plenty of reasons people can feel fatigued. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the test is just a simple blood test. It's a blood test. Okay. Yeah, and it's
1: you know it's one that's run at, at most labs. So mm-hmm. usually at our lab we'll get that result back within a couple of hours. So it's not it's not a difficult testing to do, pretty low hanging fruit. So, you know, if you're having symptoms that could be related to your thyroid, it's very reasonable to run the test because okay. again it is a pretty simple test and a simple solution.
0: Is that somewhat something? Any age, any gender? Is there, or is there yeah. a more likely individual?
1: Yeah, I would say it's probably a little more common in women, okay. um, but it can present your right across the age spectrum. Mostly in adults. I don't, you know, I'm. I always hesitate. I'm not an expert in, in pediatrics or kids, but it's. I think it'd be uncommon to develop in childhood.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the most common reason that people develop hypothyroidism or not making enough thyroid. Um, Hormone is actually an autoimmune condition Called Hashimoto's thyroiditis Maybe people have heard of it Where your body kind of just... Attacks those thyroid-producing cells of the gland. Um, And it it occurs at random as far as we know. We don't have great explanations for why people develop this. It probably can be a little more common if you have a first-degree relative who had that condition or if you have any other autoimmune conditions. Um, Type 1 diabetes would have higher rates of um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis or other autoimmune conditions. So, again, pretty common, um, but more in adults, but could be in young adults. So, all the way up to
0: older adults. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, what are the treatment options? If yeah. You are so,
1: really, what we do if we diagnose hypothyroidism is we give people thyroid hormone. Um, and generally, we use a synthetic hormone called levothyroxine which is an analog of the t4 thyroid hormone that our body naturally makes um the nice thing about this is it's very it's pretty precise and it's dosing there are some brands out there and um there are some people who you know feel like they respond a little bit better to brand name but for the vast majority of people we can get by with generic inexpensive levothyroxine mm-hmm. yeah
0: Okay mm-hmm. so easy to yeah. treat just a, a medicine you take it's like, a medicine it's a you pill you take swell.
1: every day okay. yep right. um and and we try to be kind of particular about how you take it so that you're getting the right doses of, dosage absorbed and aren't taking it with other medicines that might Cause problems with absorption, okay. So we tell people to take it first thing in the morning, and you know if we start people on medication, we kind of make a guess, usually based on weight, about the dosage, and then we watch your lab. So we we have you come back and we check that TSH lab um, six to eight weeks after starting it, and that will tell us whether the dose is right or if we need to go up or down.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: Did you know that someone in the United States has a heart attack every 40 seconds? A heart attack happens when a part of the heart muscle doesn't get enough blood. You might hear a heart attack called an MI, or myocardial infarction. The more time that passes without treatment to restore blood flow, the greater the damage to the heart muscle. If you have pain in your chest, call for help. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Group Brookings, 697-9500.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605 692 1430. 605 692 1430. Before the break, we were talking about the endocrine system and um, focusing a little bit on the thyroid and learning a lot about that. Thank you, Dr. Mm-hmm. Evans. Sure. We, We did have a question come in. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, This caller wants to know how primary care providers can help in the diagnosis and treatment of mental illness. That's a great question. I mean, so
1: frankly, everywhere, but especially in a rural state like South Dakota, primary care providers are providing the vast majority of treatment for common mental health conditions. So it's very important that we as primary care providers be Good and savvy with this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, I, I would say one thing is about sort of catching patients. There's still, of course, stigmatization of mental health. And so, there are lots of people and certainly subgroups of our population who are much less likely to come in expressing concern about this. They're not going to be up front and say, you know, doc, I'm just really feeling down and depressed and I need help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I one thing that's happening a lot more is screening for mental illness and And so um conditions pre- major depression being the most common, but certainly anxiety disorders also are extremely common. We know that you know some some studies quote, thirty to forty percent of American adults in their lifetime will have at least one episode of depression. Um, so in most clinics, we are sort of screening all adults at least once a year for depression. And that might start by asking a couple of key questions that are kind of well-validated tools in the in the literature. And if someone, you know, endorses any of those symptoms, then we dig a little deeper. So we are screening in most mm-hmm. clinics, and that's um, sort of a, a measure that we're expected to live up to when it comes to insurance and reimbursement and Medicare that we're screening people once a year for depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then, of course, the next step is sort of your own ability to get to get through to your patient and have a good enough relationship to be able to offer treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, my approach to that usually is if if I suspect that a patient may be having depression, um, or if they 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 want to talk about it, is to really again destigmatize it. Make sure people understand that it's common. Mm-hmm. It's not a personal. Uh, flaw that you're having these symptoms of depression this is a, a real a real disease that um, you you don't have full control over you know certainly there's things that individuals can control but it's not it's not all within your control like mm-hmm. there is, there are some some chemical reasons we believe for this and um, so to try and destigmatize it I think helps a lot of patients to, to treat it as an illness like any other illness um when it comes to treatment, I do try to offer patients options because I think that, you know, certainly if people are having deep episode of severe depression, then it is certainly urgent that we get people on treatment. And sometimes that means hospitalization if if we're worried about um, self-harm and suicide and that kind of thing. In cases where things are more moderate or mild, I think people have some options, and that's okay. Um, so we talk about non-pharmacologic options like counseling and some of the things that we know help people, therapy, um, and certainly availability of that, depending on where you live, can be a challenge. Um, you know, we have a lot of resources locally, but especially right now, those resources are in high demand. So I suspect there are some communities where it's not always easy to get someone started in therapy Right away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of things out there that we try to make that easier. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's pharmacologic options, things that are very safe, mm-hmm. um, things that are very effective. And so to talk patients through those options and try to come up with a plan that um, feels okay to them, in addition to the things that, you know, you maybe do have a little more personal control over trying to do some exercise and get outdoors is something I always encourage people to do. Um, trying to get back to social activities that are healthy with close friends and family um, decreasing alcohol use. A lot of people will increase their alcohol use during these periods of increased depression. And that probably perpetuates a bad cycle mm-hmm. and getting back to a healthy sleep cycle. So those things that are in your control in addition to those more medical things that we can offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So it- Connecting to your primary care doc yeah. is step one, right? I so think so. Getting in for those annual exams—I know I was just in recently—and yeah. had to fill out the survey. Yeah, you know, call the nurse. PHQ, and and you're
1: right—we have everyone do it, and we try to make mm-hmm. it, you know, very non-stigmatized right like right. you you come in for your physical you're not complaining of every anything but we're yeah. gonna ask everybody to do it yeah because so we take again, our blood pressure common. take yeah. my
0: temperature then fill out this form right <laughs> like that's just part of the check on your physical yeah. well-being and your mental yeah. well-being um i like that th- i appreciate that, that yeah it's done every time because like mm. you said it might be difficult to bring it up. And so if you have it a piece of paper, you're just circling a number one to five. It's a conversation starter then with your
1: doctor. Yeah. So I'd encourage you to be honest when when completing those things. And again, just be open. Um, You know, it it may be something that uh, an individual and certainly in their family and in their culture may not talk about a lot. But honestly, as primary care providers, these are some of the most common conditions that we treat day to day. So Mm -hmm. um, you're not alone. It's most of us have a lot of practice in this and i'm not going to say that everyone's excellent at it but we 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 need to Take on the bulk of that, and certainly there are people that have more severe disease, or certainly some types of mental illness that do require a psychiatrist. No mm-hmm. two ways about it. Um, and so, in the in those cases, then we work on referral and and linking people to the specialty care that they need. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, listener, for giving us that question about mental health. It's always important to talk about. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Dr. Evans, for that great response. Um, as we go back into looking at our um, endocrine system, uh, as we're looking at that, uh, Dr. Evans, mm-hmm. let's talk some more about osteoporosis. Okay. I find that really interesting as a aging female, <laughs> oh, <Laura. laughs> what I cannot be aware of. <laughs> And think about. Mm-hmm. So as women, we are more prone to osteoporosis. Yeah. Is that true?
1: Yeah, women more so than men and specifically postmenopausal women. So um, estrogen that's produced by the ovaries tends to help bone health. And so when we go through menopause and our ovaries stop making estrogen, most women start to lose bone density at, at some rate. Um, so there's recommendations out there for screening in postmenopausal women. And it's Maybe a little less, it's not always as crystal clear, like, exactly when we should screen and how how often. I think that's a little bit of a moving target. But I do think, you know, if if you're after menopause, at least talking about it and making a plan if you want to do screening um, with your physician is reasonable. Screening um, is with something called a DEXA scan or a bone density scan. It's kind of a special x-ray or CAT scan-like scan, but you do get some IV medicine that um, basically assesses numerically how dense the bones are compared to what we call an average premenopausal bone density.
0: Isn't it amazing that we can like test these things? Yeah. <laughs> like, can, like, Yeah, it's awesome. Know, isn't the it? bone I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: And again, so there are other certain things that can increase your risk of osteoporosis aside from just getting older and, and not making estrogen. I, so women who have their ovaries removed at an earlier age would be at higher risk, although a lot of those women do stay on estrogen for a period of time. So um, if you've If you have a low estrogen state for a longer period of time as a woman, men can get osteoporosis, of course, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so some of the things that increase everyone's risk are smoking. So long term smoking, Um, certain medications. So if you have to take steroids like prednisone for long periods of time for some medical condition, that stands to decrease your bone density. And then certain other medical conditions like rheumatoid arthritis would be a common one.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Those can all um, increase risk for bone density. So um, maybe lower threshold for screening in people with those conditions.
0: Okay. And so what can we do um, preventatively ahead of time? So don't smoke if you you can help it um,
1: is one thing. But certainly exercise is important. We know that just sort of basic weight-bearing exercise. And and so I don't know that there's anything more specific I can say about exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about calcium and vitamin D intake. We are, I, I would say recommendations for calcium intake are maybe even less aggressive than they used to be. So I tell my patients at high risk, my especially my postmenopausal women patients, um, that when it comes to calcium, actually dietary calcium is better than a calcium pill. Your body absorbs it better. So if so you eat a little... It. Yeah. Okay. So eating it in, in a dairy product is probably preferable. We want people to get 1,200 milligrams of calcium per day. So I tell people... You know, do what you normally do and watch your labels for a couple weeks. You might get that in your diet and not mm-hmm. have to take a supplement. For people, maybe who are lactose intolerant or avoid certain foods or just don't like, you know, dairy or other calci- high calcium foods, they may need a supplement over the counter.
0: Got it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We have just a few minutes left. If you want to give us a call at 605-692-1430, 605-692-1430, with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: We are living in a stressful time as we deal with the global pandemic. The following are some tips to help your emotional health. Fuel your body by eating a healthy, well-balanced diet and drinking plenty of water. Aim to get seven to eight hours of sleep each night. Exercise every day. Take deep breaths and stretch often. Avoid risky or destructive behaviors, such as abusing alcohol or drugs, excessive gambling, or ignoring public health recommendations. Spend time outside, such as going for a walk in a park, but follow social distancing guidelines. If you feel overwhelmed by the emotional pressures, reach out to family, friends, or your medical provider. This tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697 9500.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. You have just a couple minutes. If you want to give us a quick call at 605-692-1430. Before the break, we were talking about osteoporosis. Dr. Evans, tell us about some of the pros and cons of testing yeah. for that. So, you know, I, I, given
1: all of the information, I certainly have a lot of patients who choose not to do the that DEXA scan screening. Mm. And, and you know, I think different people can make reasonable Decisions about given the same information based on their preferences on this. So when it comes to doing that screening, like I said, it gives us a result that gives kind of a numeric or statistical indicator of bone density. And based on those numbers, we can diagnose people with osteoporosis or this sort of middle ground osteopenia. So decreased bone density, but not quite to the level of osteoporosis or normal. Um so what do we do with those results? Right. And so I think it's always important to talk about if you get this result, do you want to do something about it? Because if you don't want to do the thing that you could do, then what's <laughs> the point of doing the test, right? Sure. Like if it's not going to affect your your ultimate decision and actions. So what you can do for osteoporosis, we take those numbers and we estimate a fracture risk so based on these numbers and your other characteristics you have a 10-year fracture risk of having a hip fracture or other major fracture of x and if it's greater than you know most would say 20 percent, but maybe there's a little leeway then we might recommend a medication so a medication that you take prophylactically to reduce your risk of fracture doesn't take your risk of fracture to zero but it's a risk reducer okay and so if someone doesn't want to do a medicine Mm To reduce risk, then maybe that's not the right person to do the testing in. Mm-hmm. So I think that part of the conversation is important.
0: What are what are some reasons that maybe you wouldn't want to take the medicine? Are there some- yeah, serious I'm, side effects? or Not necessarily just, serious okay. side effects. Okay. I would
1: say it's more, you know, there's some patients who like don't really want to take medicine, there, Laura. Yes, you know, we all yes. know those people and I right. you know that, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, and so if it's not it's something that's going to, they're going to feel better from doing or that right. kind of thing, they'd rather not. Right. Certainly there yeah. are potential risks. We talk about getting dental exams because there may be some dental infection risks and stuff like that.
2: Okay. I wouldn't say
1: they're particularly risky medications. But yep. certainly
0: just, just preference. People, right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we have choices, don't we? Yes, we yes, do. We it's we ultimately do. the patient's decision. So Yeah, very good. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Evans. Before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for on call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays, starting at 7 p.m. Central. This week on Thursday, May 26, we will be rebroadcasting The Endocrine Show, where Prairie Doc host Kelly Evans discusses hormones and the endocrine system with Dr. John Palmer of Monument Health in Rapid City. So, tune in tomorrow night on SDPB television. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Duck wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Kelly Evans for joining us today. And as Dr. Home would say,
1: stay healthy out there, people.